You know, it does look better. It looks a lot better, uh, just two rows here. We ought to just go with two rows in here. Amen? Uh, just one. Okay, let's just go with one. We'll put that back. Now, I had uh, been approached before I got up to preach and said that uh, that was my stand up there to preach on this morning. Now, what I want, though, if I'm going to stand up there is uh, some guys that I can trust just roll me back and forth. And no, uh, not <laughs> no, no LSU guy, no. <laughs> okay, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 29. We've been seeing Jesus uh, teaching on, on the Mount, Sermon on the Mount, and now we see him um, coming down off the mount, or about to come down off the mount, and right before he does, he, he gives contrasting perspectives, contrasting positions, if you will. And we're looking at how to build a life that lasts forever. I want to be in that life that, or I'll have that life that lasts forever. I don't want something to crumble, and we'll be talking more about that in just a few moments, so... In uh, verses 13 through 29, it says, Enter by the narrow gate. He goes ahead and tells you how to enter. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And many are those who enter by it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And few are those who find it. You wouldn't think that here in America, would you? Where everybody claims to be a Christian. <laughs> but are we? We need to look at the test. We need to see what he says. Beware of false prophets. Because false prophets, there are prophets out there that will lead you the wrong way and tell you that you're okay when you're not okay. Who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravious wolves. You will know them by their fruits. That's how we can tell them. In other words, it's difficult to tell sometimes who is telling the truth and who isn't. Goes on, he says, grapes are not gathered from their thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but bad trees bear bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. That's how we know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons? In your name perform many miracles. In other words, weren't we preaching? Didn't we build big churches? Didn't we pull the people in? Look at what we offered to get them here. Look at what we said to keep them here. 
And what will he say? He said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? In your name perform many miracles. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them, you've got to act upon it. It's not just enough to hear. May be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rain descended, floods came, and the winds blew and burst against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against the house and it fell. And great was its fall. The result was that when Jesus had finished these words, the multitudes were amazed at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. So it seems like the scribes were teaching but misleading people. And he was leading them into God's kingdom. And so he says, hey, there's prophets out there that are teaching. And they say, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out demons? Didn't I do these miracles in your name? And he'll say, I never knew you. Why? Because they were not from within born again. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you for your wonderful love and grace. I want to thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And Lord, I want to thank you for what you desire to do. So I just pray that you open our eyes to the truth. God, I know that I can't. I know that we can't save a person. But I know that you can open their eyes to the truth and deal with their hearts and show them their need for salvation. So I just pray that if there's any lost in this congregation this morning, I, I pray that they'll be able to see this, their lostness, and that they will yield to you and be born again. Accept Christ as their Savior. And Father, I just pray that there'll be a very special anointing upon the preaching of the Word in the sense that you will open our eyes and our hearts to other truths that you uh, so desire for us to see and to heed to and I pray that we will do that this morning for I pray this in Jesus name amen two roads on these two roads there's two crowds on these or with these two roads there's two destinations and with these two roads there's also two entrances so number one, you've got to enter by the right gate if you want to go to heaven. If you want to be a child of God. You've got to be traveling, having the right destination if you want to go to heaven. And you've got to be with the right people. There is the narrow road and there is the wide road. And so in turn, we see that the narrow road leads to heaven. And few are on it. But then there's two guides or, or two prophets, if you will. And here we have a warning. We, and he's saying, be very careful about what you hear and what you react to, what you believe in. 
And he gives them the description here. Description of both of them. And it's hard to tell which one is which a lot of times. And so we have to do it detecting them by their fruit. That's the only one. You can't tell what my heart is, but you can look at the fruit in my life and you can be more of a fruit tester in the sense that you see whether I believe in what I teach and, and what I say or not. But God knows our hearts. And so we don't know them, but we can look at the fruit. He has allowed us to do that. And so there is a detecting. But then also with that, we see that there, is, there are two builders. The right foundation to build on and the wrong foundation to build on. And as we look at that this morning, we, we looked at the others last week. But this morning we're going to be looking at the two builders, the two foundations. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who has built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against that house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against that house. And it fell and great was its fall. See, in verses 21 through 23, he lets us know that it's possible to make a profession, but it not be genuine. And that person deceive himself and deceive others, perhaps. And now, he says, let me tell you how to build a foundation that you can count on and not be deceived. There is a right foundation and there is a wrong foundation. Dr. Boyce, who used to be pastor of 10th Presbyterian Church in, in uh, Philadelphia, he, uh, he talked about when he was arriving back from home, he went to Europe to get his uh, doctor's degree. And, and as he was arriving back from Europe, as he was coming up on, you know, traveling uh, by boat, uh, he looked out the window, uh, stayed up late that night as they arrived and saw the lights and the towering, sturdy buildings of New York. And he was just so happy to be back home. But that summer, his family went on a vacation to Venice. And you see, Venice is like New York in some respects. They both have great ports. Both have great buildings, he said. But there, is, there are differences. Venice is slowly sinking into the waters of the Adriatic Sea, he said. He said, the difference is, Venice has no foundation like New York has. And Jesus stresses the importance of an adequate foundation here. We must build up on a solid foundation. And the foundation that he's talking about is Jesus Christ, which we... Um, 
we know of because of the scripture and what it tells us. In Ephesians 2, in, in verses 19 through 20, Paul tells us, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, talking to the congregation who had believed in Christ, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, but Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. You must build your life upon Christ if it's to be eternal. Also, in Acts chapter 4, 11, in, while he was preaching, uh, uh, he says, He is a stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. Christ became the chief cornerstone. And then First Peter, again he says, Peter does in second chapter verses 6 and 7. For this is contained in scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone. And he who believes in him will not be disappointed. We won't be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone. Many rejected it, but he said he is the one who became the cornerstone by which we are to build upon our lives. And the only way that we can do that is by faith in Jesus Christ. It's not by works. It's not anything that we can do to work our way into heaven. It's all by grace, for by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest what? We boast about it. We could boast about it. And so it is, there's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. He's, he also said in John, I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. He is the cornerstone. So in verses 24 through 27, Jesus tells us that it is possible to hear the Word of God and not do it. And if we don't heed to it, then we will not be saved. Let me share with you. I was going to wait until tonight because it came from Ecclesiastes, but uh, Friday Afternoon, I text my cousin who you've been praying for in, in Michigan. And the neat thing about it was he was going to a funeral. And so what have we been talking about in Ecclesiastes? Ecclesiastes says funerals will wake you up to the truth. Where uh, celebrations, birthday celebrations and other things, they're just celebrations of excitement. But a funeral will get you to thinking about the hereafter, about death. And so uh, he was going to a funeral of a real good friend of his. And so we text and, and I said, I'll be praying for you. And I shared a little bit from Ecclesiastes. And I said, two things for sure that, a, that the preacher wants us to learn from Ecclesiastes is 
where our foundation, where our eternal hope is. And the second thing is to enjoy every day as a day that God's made. And he went on to the funeral. He came back and, and, and he texted me back and he, he was all confused. And, and as he was all confused, he said, I'm sorry. He said, boy, what you shared was kind of heavy. And he said, I've been crying a lot and in tears and beautiful funeral and all of this. And, and uh, he said, uh, explain a little bit about this, what you said. And so I started talking to him about it in the text. Hate the text. <laughs> but thank God, God uses all, all means. And so as we were talking, um, back and forth through the text, he he, he got to the point where he said, I just don't understand. He said, I want to be a good father and grandfather to my grandkids and my kids. And I want to teach them the right way and the right thing. So he said, could, could you explain? And I couldn't t- type that thing as fast as, as he was wanting me to because at times he'd say, are, are you um, tired of typing? We can talk tomorrow, you know, and I, I'd finish it up real quick and and so I was sharing scripture and and this thing and that thing and and talking to him about salvation and Jesus Christ being the only way and that's the foundation that you build upon and so finally this went on from the afternoon till about almost 12 o'clock it was at 11 15 I looked at my watch and he said I'm lost and I texted him back and I said what do you mean by lost have I lost you in what I've said and all this or what? He said, no. He said, I'm just lost. And so I typed some scripture about how, how he could be found. How Jesus was trying to reach him. Through all of this, texting, I started out with a picture that I was going to send to him that I'd done for him, and then it went from there to Ecclesiastes, a funeral that he was going to, and then other scripture about Jesus Christ. And then he said, I don't know what to do. And I said, just by faith, that's all you have to do. God's done it all. Trust Jesus as your Savior. Ask him into your heart. Give your life to him. And the next text he sent was, thank you. I did it. You know, I, and, and I typed it back. He said, and then he said, of course, not knowing how to word it and all. He said, thanks for saving me. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, I didn't save you. Just think about it. How God worked all of this out. He took care of it all. And you just trusted him. And he said, I can rest now. I think I'll go to bed. I said, get some good night's sleep. God's awesome. But you see, it's built on the right foundation. It's got to be. How many people 
do you think we have in our midst, in our midst, that know the right words, that know what to say, that enjoy being around other believers that enjoy listening to songs, that enjoy maybe even coming to a Sunday school class or whatever, but they have been deceived into thinking that it maybe was some signing of a paper or being baptized that saved them. And they're on the wrong foundation. They're not born again. How many people out there think that just being here in America and going to church, maybe on Easter, maybe, and Christmas, maybe, makes them a Christian? How many people join a denomination or a church thinking that that joining of that denomination or church saves them? It is nothing that we can do. It is all that Christ has done. And we by faith must trust in him. And as we do, we need to examine our hearts. And as we examine our hearts, we need to have our complacency shaken. If we're truly born again, then why aren't we Going full blast for the Lord, excited about what He has done in our hearts and our lives, telling other people that are on the road that's wide to destruction what it means to be born again. How much joy it is in knowing Him. How much contentment you have as far as having Christ in your life and knowing that no matter what storms may come, because he says there will be storms coming, that you trust in Christ. It doesn't exempt you from trials. It doesn't exempt you from temptations. It doesn't exempt you from difficulties and heartaches. But it does allow you a contentment because you are on the solid rock. Knowing that one day, all of this, that since sin has come into this world and, and has caused a, a deterioration and corruption, all of this will be done away with. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and we won't have to worry about any of that again. Nor will we ever have to worry about death. Death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? We build our lives upon either the sand or solid ground. What is it? You see, Jesus, he came 
to give us life and to give it more abundantly. And we're to be fulfilled in Him and Him alone. Do you ask Him for a continual, consistent basis of examination in your life and in your hearts to be revealed to you where you stand before Him? Do you examine your heart and see Okay, I'm a Christian. I'm standing on solid rock. If there's any sin in your life on a continual basis that might keep you from being the witness that you need to be and walking the way that you should walk before the world, do you on a consistent basis ask God to fill you and to control you by His Spirit so that other people can see that there's more to life than just the five senses. There is that life that is within us. That eternal life. That unique life. That powerful life that no one can explain. Do you allow God to correct you? Where correction is needed? Or do we hide it, and parade around it. Cover it up. You know, on Wednesdays, we've got the conscience that's being taught about, and we've got the spiritual gifts or the mind of Christ that's being taught. So many times, something that he brought out that's really unique, and I, I really like this, about different gifts he said there's the gifts, there's the direct opposite. We know that a person is not producing fruit and, and uh, not acting the way that they should. But then there are the perversions of those gifts that makes it difficult at times. Like steadfastness. That means to be firm. Now, the opposite would be wavering or fickle in your life. But... To be firm, sometimes we act out of our five senses and we become narrow-minded, inflexible, bullheaded, stubborn, and we call that steadfastness. And it's not. And we deceive ourselves. Another one, love. Hate is the opposite. But if we're not careful, and I, you know, we can become overly protective in our life with our family. And we can say, oh, I love my family. And what do we do? We smother them and become overly protective. And we're wanting to control matters when God is in control. We want to manipulate things. We say that we love the church, or we love the people, or we love our family, whatever it is. And wh how do we go about making sure that we, we want people to know that we love them is we try to manipulate them into doing the things that we think are the best. And we disguise our, deceive ourselves that way. Not, look, not seeing that that's not the fruit of the Spirit. Or 
Long-suffering, patience, endurance. Impatience is just the opposite. But what about you become lenient in your life and you think that you're long-suffering when really all you are is acting out your flesh, the five senses, and you're exercising that as being lenient. Indulgent. You're indulging in things. Well, I'm just being long-suffering. Permissive. Well, I'm just being long-suffering. When really you're acting it out in the flesh and you're allowing your five senses to control you and your thinking. He, he brings out some interesting things there. And this is why the Lord says, hey, there'll be people that profess to be Christians and think that they are and they're not. If we can deceive ourselves into thinking that we're spirit-filled and we're not, then we certainly can deceive ourselves into thinking that we're Christians. And many people do. So you, you've got to constantly allow him to show you. And I believe Christians will do that. Christians will be people who will allow God to chisel away at the things in their life. Does that mean that they'll never be rebellious? Yeah, they'll be rebellious. But deep down, they know that they're living in rebellion. Day by day, allowing God to work in your life and chisel away at things so that growth and, and uh, progress in your life reveals a difference by the way you live than the way you used to live. We have morally good people all around us who are just that but they are not true genuine believers we have good farmers in the country we have good businessmen in the city we have good wives in the house at the home at work we have good husbands at work at home we have good students. We have good ball players that play the right way. We have good church people. But are they genuine believers? Do others see Jesus in you? That's the foundation that you've got to build upon. No other foundation is there. Let's bow our heads in prayer.